Welcome to One Giant Podcast, a podcast all about your New York football giants. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Marmbrecht, excited to be kicking off the Daniel Jones era for your New York football giants. Now we're going to get into a little bit at some point along the way, background information about myself and Andy and, and why we are New York Giants football fans. But right now, Andy, when you and I discussed about joining forces for this podcast, we wanted to figure out the right time to jump in, and I really think we nailed this. I think we did too. It's the Daniel Jones era about to be commencing. Some of you may know him as the artist formerly known as Daniel Jones. He is now Danny Dimes for this podcast. Um, when Adam and I started talking about uh, all things Giants, we said the second that they move from Eli Manning and they send him out to pasture and move over to Daniel Jones, it's going to be a perfect time uh, for us to begin uh, our new Giants podcast. And uh, what an exciting time it is. And, you know, if anyone watched the preseason games with Daniel Jones, they know he looked like the real deal and, you know, completed over 85% of his passes, had a crazy quarterback rating of 137. He looked like the real deal. I know it was preseason, but I'm a Giants fan. I need hope right now, Adam. You don't get a Danny Dimes nickname in preseason football unless you're doing something right. <laughs> and I don't know how it's supposed to go normally with these things. Because I, honestly, actually, growing up, I never received nicknames. There wasn't anything for me to be excited about in terms of, you know, I wasn't Adam Ardvark, Adam, you know, Adam Ant maybe, but I never, no one ever gave me anything like that. So he's got to be doing something well for himself. But before we do move ahead, I, I'll say it because you've been a lifelong Giants fan like myself. This is a weird time, right? Because we're moving into the Daniel Jones era. We're moving into the next franchise quarterback, hopefully. You know, everyone cross your fingers out there. And then that also means that there's a career ending in Eli Manning. I think for the most part, everybody everybody knows what the the history has been these last handful of seasons for the Giants and for Eli Manning. But for you, what is your, I don't know, what are your thoughts on Eli Manning? I mean, his career, what are your thoughts on the transition? I mean, just, you know, give me give me your brief, I don't know, is this the, the, the opus on someone who's only 38 years old, but in a lot of ways when it comes to sports, like, you know, this is your death in that regard. Eli Manning will go down as sports royalty in New York for winning two Super Bowls, being a two-time Super Bowl MVP, and the way that he won those games, the dramatic throws that he made, the the opponent that he beat, arguably one of the greatest NFL teams in history in 2007, the New England Patriots. I you know, you look at the totality of his career and some people have different question marks about how it should have ended and when it should have ended. Holds um, every record in Giants history. It's yeah, quarterbacks. I mean, oh, I mean you, he's done a lot. You name any passing record, it pretty much belongs to Eli Manning. And, you know, I, I think, Adam, you've talked to me about uh, some of the things off the field even. You know, he'll be regarded as one of the greatest Giants of all time. The, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks in New York history. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about some of the uh, the noteworthy things he's done off the field? Well, listen, and on the way, we're actually lucky enough to be doing our first podcast together, which is not always the case in these situations. But on the way up here, we were exchanging just some of that sentiment because Daniel Jones just had his first podcast. We're coming on uh, first press conference. Sorry, we're coming in on Wednesday which is typically when we're going to want to do these things because, as you know, this is when you get injury reports, you get a little bit of perspective about the upcoming week ahead. So Daniel Jones gives his first press conference as the starting quarterback. You also have the first interview with Eli Manning not being the starting quarterback. And it was up on Twitter, just his response to the questions from Eli Manning. Where it, it, it really actually made me sad <laughs> because every, he said, it is what it is. I don't want it to be the case, but I'm going to do everything to help Daniel Jones get ready. I'm here to help the team win. And it was everything that you want to see just from like a class, professionalism, all that stuff. And, and someone else actually put this up. And as we go along on this, I'll do my best to, in show notes, always give people credit who are doing some of the legwork out there on social media. But, you know, the noteworthy things, uh, 150,000 kids a year attended the Manning Children's Clinic. He raised $25 million as chair of the NYC March for Babies. He's involved in the Red Cross Celebrity Cabinet, the fundraiser for guide dogs, Make-A-Wish supporter, uh, tackle, for ki tackle Kids Cancer, Classroom Cares Ambassador, NFL Man of the Year in 2017. But I mean, you, everybody knows this about the, the Manning family. I mean, Peyton Manning was very similar in this regard. Archie Manning, I can't speak to his career, but it just seems like 
you know, you come from, from a good upbringing, you're doing everything right. And I think that that definitely made this very hard, but it's one of those things that as a 33, close to 34 year old, I mean, I grew up on Eli Manning. So in this regard, like I almost, like I respect Eli Manning as a person. Like I feel right. like this is somebody that if you know them in real, if you knew this guy in real life, I mean, whatever, like I know you in real life, I respect you as a person because of the things that I've seen, you know, seen you do and the way you talk about stuff. And as much as you can trust what you get from social media and coverage of an individual, it just seems like Eli Manning is a genuinely good person. And I had like a little bit of just like, ooh, like it stings, like <laughs> it, it stings a little bit, so. And and we have so much that we could talk about on Eli Manning and throughout these podcasts that we're gonna do, we'll talk a little bit more about what his legacy means. Is he a Hall of Famer? You know, all the different questions I think any giant fan is thinking about in the back of their minds. But with this news today, we enter into a new era, the Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes era. And I think it's important to start thinking about what that means for the Giants and what the team looks like moving forward. One giant disappointment. So the big reason we are here, obviously, is to be talking about the games. Week to week, hopefully, we can talk optimistically going forward with Daniel Jones, a quarterback. Looking to week two... A 28-14 home loss to the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills get a real generous schedule to start. They only have to travel from Buffalo, New York to MetLife Stadium, New Jersey. So they get a real nice start to their schedule. And, hey, they come in. They beat us up. Uh, Opening drive, we come out, look nice. uh, Score a touchdown. Looks like we're going to run the game plan through Barkley, as one would expect. Listen, in Eli Manning's final game of his career, quite possibly, 26 of 45, 250 yards, touchdown, two picks, a late, you know, dump, d- dump deep, trying to find Benny Fowler in triple coverage. Uh, Barkley, 18 carries, 107 yards, touchdown. Benny Fowler led the receiving core with five for 51. On the other side of the ball, Josh Allen, 19 of 30, 253 and a touchdown, nothing too flashy. Frank Gore kind of comes in in garbage time in this one, 19 for 68, gets a touchdown after a questionable penalty call against Lawrence. And uh, Beasley, guy, this guy doesn't go away, does he? Leaves, leaves Dallas and ends up against us uh, on the Bills, four for eighty-three. So that's just your basic coverage of the game, uh, Andy. When you were watching this one, we saw each other briefly that day. I I was coming off uh, a long weekend. I'm going to put it that way, and I did not have the power to stay at the bar in Hoboken with you and really soak this one in. What What did you see from this one? You can you can tackle offense or defense. Your choice first. What do you want to get into? Well, I'm going to start with the offense because uh, I think coming into the game, I, I was excited. Um, I thought that you know home game for Eli Manning. I kind of rode off the game in Dallas. It's always tough to play a primetime game in Dallas. You know, four thirty game. Uh, and so, what the, my first takeaway is: every single time I watch the Giants under Pat Shermer. The opening drive looks amazing. They have their 10, 11 scripted plays that they run, and it looks flawless. And as you saw against the Bills, their game plan was, let's get the ball in the hands of Saquon Barkley as much as humanly possible. And, of course, he broke off a couple big plays. It led to a a 27-yard touchdown by, by Saquon. And I fist pumped in the bar and said, they figured it out. They have figured it out. I fell in the trap, Adam. Head on home, boys. We locked this victory up early. I, I had a cowboy friend standing next to me who said, I told you, I told all my friends before the game, Giants are going to win this 41-10. And when he said that, I actually bought into the idea that this game was going to end 41-10. I made a bold prediction, I think, to a, to a friend of mine. I don't know if it was that bold, but I, I said 27-21, Giants will win this thing. They'll do some things right. You know, they'll, they'll get their act together a little bit. But one of the, you know, one of the downfalls, again, I, in the NFL in general, and other teams are obviously better at this than the Giants have been in recent history, but they always talk about it, right? We have X number of plays that we script every week. I always think, why don't you script more plays? I mean, you scripted 11 of them. Why not script 15? Why not script 20? You know, I mean, you don't get, you're not as restricted anymore with the practices. The players can't do as much. Why don't you just get in that office? And if the first 11 are great, maybe just go back to the first play and do it again the next time. And just, you know, let me know how it goes. But there's something about, um, we looked up at some funny, like, interesting notes about how already early in Pat Shermer's coaching career, I think it's two and five. It could be worse than that, actually, but it, I know it's only two wins. I think the Giants are two and five under Pat Shermer when they score a touchdown on their opening drive. 
how does that add up, right? Shouldn't that be a barometer of success for a team? Instead, it's like, and now, they're a bad team, so that's a misnomer, I guess, in some ways. But still, if you're scoring on your opening drive, that, that should mean you can score again. They end up scoring seven points over the next three-plus quarters. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's more of an indictment on Pat Shermer as a, as a coach as a whole. If you look at his win-loss record, it's not that stellar, you know, with previous, previous uh, head coaching stints. I think one of the most telling things on offense, and I know that uh, how the game is going and the scoreline will will dictate exactly how uh, some of these stats go, but 36-year-old Frank Gore got more carries than Saquon <laughs> Barkley. <laughs> well, now you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll transition over into the defensive side of things here in a second, but you brought this up when we were talking about the the week one matchup and how you know it's unacceptable that Saquon Barkley only gets 11 carries in the game. And we, we went back and forth on this a little bit off podcast where I said, right, but nobody thought you were going to win that game. So why burn out Saquon Barkley? Now, but I think I texted you actually after the Bills game and I was like, on the other hand, if you go into the Bills game and Barkley only gets 18 carries, and I guess, what did he have? Uh, three catches for 28. So you're talking about only 21 total touches for, for obviously your best player. That, to me, just screams mistake. And also, I think uh, you think back to last year when they're winning that game against Philadelphia, second half, Shermer just somehow is like, we're going to shut them down. And that's okay, right? So there's definitely something in the play calling there that – I don't know. I don't know what the logic or, or strategy approaching that is, but it, it definitely seemed a little bit off. Um, la- the last little note I'll say on offense before we get into what has been just a delightful defensive experience. I heard an interesting an interesting stat today too uh, regarding the defense, but you look over the receiving line for the Giants as well. Now, Benny Fowler leads all receivers, and we're going to get into this in a little bit in terms of what injuries the team is dealing with. Do you have any issue offensively with the idea that even even with Shepard on the field against a very strong secondary, very strong defense overall in the Dallas Cowboys, Evan Ingram was was going to work. He was going to work all day. So I, I take a little bit of issue that, again, this is a play-calling thing. How do you end up knowing on the front end, this wasn't an injury that happens in-game, you know you're not going to have some of your key guys. We all know Golden Tate's on suspension. How do you find yourself not heavily leaning on Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley and not finding ways. You know, give me the game plan where you get the ball in their hand. We saw week one, actually, against Dallas, right? Little bubble screen for Evan Ingram behind the line of scrimmage and let him run, let him him use his speed, right? He has wide receiver speed. So do you take any issue there? Yeah, you know, while... Evan Ingram didn't lead the team in targets. He did lead the team in receptions. So it kind of almost speaks more to what you're talking about is he didn't even lead in targets and he's catching the ball and he's trying to make things happen. And I I agree with you. You put the ball in your playmaker's hands. We know, and we talked about uh, Eli Manning a few times, but we know that he's not the most uh, nimble or mobile quarterbacks. And uh, he's not going to extend plays to to give some of the other wide receivers downfield a chance to, to open things up. And so you know your most your two most explosive players on offense are Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. You know, not having Sterling Shepard on the outside really hurt the Giants in this game, I think. You know, knowing that no wide receiver can get separation, it meant the Bills defense could sit there and say, we can play single coverage on the outside, we can stack the box, we can start to slow down Saquon, and they pretty much did that after the first series that the Giants scored on. Yeah, and I think the last little note will be, and then we'll talk, we'll get into this defense, but... Evan Ingram, that 6-for-48 stat line. By the way, he had a long of 33, so that means that he's got 5-for-15. So he was averaging 3 yards a catch on on five, on 5 of his balls. So obviously things weren't going well overall for them. Uh, and listen, we all know the result, right? So we flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Interesting stat that I heard today in review of the first two weeks. This is a defense. Uh, I don't want to misquote it. Double-check me, but I think it's 7 or possibly 9. I think it's nine drives of 70-plus yards that they've given up in the first two weeks of the season. Is that good? <laughs> you don't have to be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm checking my numbers here. 
yeah, that's god awful. Like you know, you don't have to be obviously you don't have to be a genius to understand that that, that is just a disastrous way to, to to be approaching from a defensive scheme. Uh, you know, and you start to look at some players. I saw the stat line. You know, who's the leading tackler for the for the New York Football Giants on defense? It's Antoine Bethea with seventeen over two weeks. He had ten total tackles, five solo in this last game against the Bills. But you know this thing, right? Tackles are often a result of because you're not making the play you want to make before the tackle. It's because the receiver's already caught the ball, and now you're you're you know you're coming up from behind him on that. When we look at this defense, it was hard to gauge. I thought even in the game against the Cowboys, but you know we'll we'll leave that where it was. In week in week two, I anticipated that you would see some more pressure up front, and that maybe some of these guys on the back end were just going to play better because you don't have as many dangerous weapons to work with. Now, overall, they probably did perform you know quote unquote better. But you, you, you mentioned it on the offensive side of things. When you've got a 36-year-old running back who's taken the ball 18 times in a game, that's because it's garbage time, and that's because the game doesn't matter anymore. So if this had been a more competitive matchup, I don't know what the Bills would have ended up putting up. This could have been 35 like it was against Dallas. Could have been more than that if it was required. What are you seeing from this defense? We, we know we have a lot of young players, right? Uh, DeAndre Baker is struggling, it looks like. And what what are your thoughts in terms of it is a baptism by fire? Do you think that this is just, hey, it's a learning curve and we're a young team and these guys are going to have to learn on the fly? Are there any red flags early for you? Or is it too early to, you know, to make those kind of judgments, I'll say? So, I, yeah, I have two thoughts on that. First, with DeAndre Baker, I think in college he was the physical wide receiver that could – I have a cornerback that could get up into a wide receiver's face and make them uncomfortable. And I think – the speed and the, and the sheer size of NFL wide receivers uh, is giving him a little bit of, of a challenge. I think he's struggling on the outside, but what's not helping him is the defensive line play right now. We're getting no pressure on the quarterback. You know, I think Junoris Jenkins came out, and you could already see the frustration boiling over after two losses. Um, That's right, just, yeah. just basically saying, you know, how long do you want me to cover somebody for? Uh, I can't sit back and cover an NFL wide receiver for 10 seconds. And he's right. If you watch that game, like like I did, and you saw Josh Allen pump the ball a couple times like he's burping the baby, <laughs> you, you basically sit there and say, where is the pass rush? Are we only rushing two or three? Like, what is happening? So for me, I, I, you know, I think it, it's, you know, we trade away Olivier Vernon to make sure that we can solidify the offensive line, mm-hmm. which I think was necessary but then we don't really replace him. You know, we, we draft Dexter Lawrence, but he's not necessarily known as a pass rusher sack machine, you know, even at Clemson. So for, for me, you know, my biggest red flag is the offensive line getting pressure on the quarterback so that DeAndre Baker can kind of settle in and, and feel a little more comfortable in his position. I think he's getting picked on a little bit right now. Well, and that's, you know, Dexter Lawrence not being a guy that you're expecting to get pressure on the quarterback. It, it, it's a true statement. And then it is, like, that's that problem, right? We got these rookies. You want them to have a chance for early success. But we all know, and it's one of those funny things, right? When you sign in Antoine Bethea, it's this idea of, oh, well, uh, Betcher knows him from Arizona. He's a veteran. He's going to help everybody. But the reality is, at a certain point in your career, the mind knows the play to make, and the body can't get you there. And that's what I think he's suffering from. And I've had this debate with, with some other Giants fans as well, where I'm a big proponent of, I don't care who it is. Seems like all, all, all indications are Julian Love is going to be the he's going to move to safety uh, as a as a pro and he's going to be the replacement. I say then fine, get Love in the game now because just like Baker, I, it is it is growing pains and I think you're a hundred percent right when you talk about it. it's so hard to gauge what a guy is at college because you're playing again. You know, it's such a small percentage that leaves college ball and goes to the pros, so you can look physically more dominant then maybe you're going to be against big NFL wide receivers. And a little bit of an issue we hear as well is I would say, you know, Amari Cooper's not the biggest guy in the world, and nobody on the Buffalo Bills are particularly large receivers. So there's an element of it where I feel like Baker is struggling at the line to get, you know, get his hands on the receiver for a minute and bump him off those routes so that he can then stay with them down the field and be physical and make a play. I think those are growing pain issues. 
I have yeah. I have a very simple way to to answer exactly what I think about the Giants defense through two weeks. Mm-hmm. I believe that pressure leads to mistakes. I do. I believe that anytime someone's under pressure, whether it's a wide receiver, quarterback, or a running back, it leads to mistakes. The Giants have forced zero fumbles and have intercepted the ball zero times through two games. Right. Without anything happening where we have a change in in dynamic on, on the defense, we're going to go through these growing pains, and I, I am pointing directly at the defensive line right now. Yeah, well, and I think that the only other the only other caveat that I'll bring to this is something that I think is easy to overlook, and that's the linebacking core. Because now understand, when you go to a 3-4, the idea is you have these big bodies up front. They're not supposed to necessarily be pressure guys on the quarterback. What they're supposed to do is clog the middle of that line, make it hard for the run game to get off, and allow your linebackers to apply that pressure to make it easier for the secondary. Issue that you're running into is when you look across this linebacking core, you know, Alec Ogletree is a veteran guy, changed the culture in the locker room, but I don't think that he's the answer there, and everyone would agree. You know, even though he had, what, five interceptions last season, everybody, you pointed to the stat lines, everybody knew that he was getting burned play after play on tight ends or running backs out of the backfield, whatever the case may be. You're seeing a little bit of optimism when it comes to a guy like Connolly, but, you know, and, that, and that's fine. I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo that right now. He's too young to say. But even a guy like Marcus Golden, it seems like maybe we're suffering a little bit of these names that meant something to a coordinator somewhere else, but who knows if they have real value now. So, you know, part of this is young players developing, and I think part of this is we are a bad team, especially defensively, and this is just, this is an off-season free agency draft. Like, you know, there's going to take time to fix these problems, and I just, my curiosity is, can this defense develop over the course of the season? Can these rookies develop to at least where you're getting competitive? And then it is about, like, you know, can Lawrence maybe move that pocket quicker than you think? Because I'll we'll get into this over the course of it. Um, certainly as we head toward the end of the season, and you think about some of the moves the Giants may make going into next year. Dalvin Tomlinson's a problem. You know, this is a swing and a miss for the New York football Giants from a draft perspective. He, you know, this is B.J. Hill and Lawrence now. Those are the two guys that are going to be a part of that line, and then you're going to go look to get somebody. Do not be surprised if Tomlinson is moved at some point. He is a backup tackle at best, and you just don't know that sort of thing on the Giants because the team is so bad that you're unaware that these are actually backup players that are starting in your rotation. So that's where we stand on the defense from that perspective. Um I guess I, I don't I don't like to spend a lot of time on uh, news and notes from special teams. It's noteworthy, I guess, that uh, Rosas did miss his kick in this game. It was a 40-plus yard kick, so I'm not going to get too much on top of him about that. And then I think the only other note that I make is that a guy that you brought in in Cody Core to be a special teams player actually ends up catching three for 30 balls in this game. So, you know, this, this is a weird one. There's injuries. There's a lot of stuff going around in this game, so I don't want to get too much on top of it. I mean, do you care at all about special teams, or can we just... No, I, I, think, that, I think the easiest way to sum it up is depleted uh, offensive weapons on the wide receiving core, no pressure um, from the pass rush, whether that's from the linebacking core or the defensive line, and special teams, you know, leaving points on the board. You put those three things together with no turnovers, and we get a 28 to 14 win by the Buffalo Bills. So I got to have you wrap things up more often because I, otherwise <laughs> I don't really know where these things go from here. One giant update. As we start to think about where they came out of this week and what they're going to be looking to in week three, we just want to give the news and notes on a Wednesday. You always get the reports from the teams, who's healthy, who's not, who's in, who's out. So I'll just give you the brief bullet points here. Uh, Zeitler comes up with a little bit of an injury on the shoulder. This happened during the game in week two. He came in and out a little bit, I think, actually throughout it. So as of right now, uh, not wearing pads and was just uh, participating in the walkthrough portion of practice. Sterling Shepard was wearing a yellow jersey. Everyone knows that's a bit of a bad sign there. So I'm not entirely optimistic that he's going to be uh, back necessarily for week three. Likewise for Cody Latimer, he's in concussion protocol. I don't anticipate him being anywhere near this field. Uh, for week three as well. Uh, Grant Haley had an illness, but I, I think it's just, you know, legitimately just sick. So I don't see a problem there, and he's not necessarily the most concerning component for the team. Last but not least, uh, well, two notes. One, Darius Slayton, the groin hamstring injury. He returned to practice. 
I don't know if, well, I'll say this. They're probably not going to rush him back, but there's an optimistic chance that he will return for week three. And then a little bit of a roster move. They go ahead and move on. They, they waived Paul Perkins and picked up a tight end. I'm not even, I'm not going to try to pretend to lie to you. I, I've forgotten his name already. And it make it, all I know is it makes the fifth wide receiver, the, 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 the uh, tight end that the Giants have on their roster. Just give me your give me your takeaways here. Daniel Jones is coming up on his first career NFL start. We have a concern on the offensive line, and we obviously have our concerns with Golden Tate still suspended for another two weeks in the wide receiving core. Any concerns that we should be worried about here? As you laugh about it, yes, there <laughs> yeah. are concerns. Uh, I think. Or do you, you love know, number twos, we, number twos, or number threes across yeah, the board? That, that's always helpful when you when you're breaking in a new rookie quarterback on the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Zeitler is obviously the most concerning. You know, as we talked about before, we give up our biggest pass rusher in Olivier Vernon to get him and we expect him to really shore up that right side of the offensive line and having him dinged up uh, is a big concern for me uh, especially with Jones needing probably a little bit more time and and that uh, veteran uh, you know on the offensive line but you know we're hoping to get Sterling Shepard back I I feel good about him coming back uh, off the concussion protocol I know Carl Latimer was a little hurt but uh, you know I I think we talked about last week a little bit of excuses for Eli Manning saying that the wide receivers weren't there. I'd like to see those wide receivers there ready for Daniel Jones so we can kind of see where the Giants are at as a, as a full team. Yeah, and any, I mean, this is a little bit – it's slightly outside of the purview of, of the update for the roster. But, I mean, it, do you find it at all odd, the, the choice of the timing, Daniel Jones gets his first career start and you're looking at a roster that is dealing with these injuries? I mean, if you're going to start your quarterback – and I understand – when you look at the schedule, it's either probably now or maybe next week against Washington, and then after that, you maybe want to save him away from the from the Vikings and the Patriots and some of the, the more difficult matchups just to get his feet wet. But the, are you at all thinking, boy, I mean, it's an odd time to bring in your, your rookie quarterback when you're missing these components, or is it just the reality of he's going to come in at some point and injuries are going to happen? And I'll, honestly, if you want, I'll, I'll ask you a question but also give you my own answer to it. He's your number six overall pick. Whenever you're going to choose to start him, that's when you're going to choose to start him, and it's time to play. Yeah, I, I don't think as uh, you know we can discuss this uh, when there's a little bit more time, but I don't think that Eli Manning was the root cause of all of the problems, uh, especially in the first two weeks. He, you know, he threw for over 300 against Dallas, even though it was a blowout, and he looked uh, serviceable against Buffalo. But yeah, there's there's a tipping point, and you don't want to lose the fan base. You want to give the fan base hope when you start seeing things really turning uh, sour. I also think that while they may not come out and say it, Eli is one sixteen and one sixteen as a starter in the NFL. And oh yeah, That's do right. you, do you want him to take a loss and then make the change at Washington, and he's an under five hundred quarterback? Do you want to do that to Eli? Do you want to ruin his Hall of Fame chances? So. You know, as as brutal as this is for Eli, uh, I think there's a lot of different factors that came in. But you know what? I'm excited about the Daniel Jones era. You draft him number six. You expect him to be a starter in the league. You expect him to be a high-end starter in the league. And you know what? Against Tampa Bay, no better time than now. Yeah, and I agree with you. We're going to touch in a little bit to some of those topics that you mentioned there uh, as we wrap up the podcast in a little bit. But ultimately... Healthy, not healthy. Let's line up and go. We're heading in to take on Tampa Bay, and that's where we're going to take this podcast next. One giant matchup. We now look ahead to week three at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New York football giants coming in the door. So as we head into this uh, matchup, we will be down two spots in the power ranks of the NFL to 31. No, don't worry, Andy. We're above the Miami Dolphins. This oh, is everything's goodness. Everything's going to be fine, and we're only one spot behind our neighbor in our stadium who's missing their starting quarterback. So nothing to worry about there. They're playing their third string, and uh, but listen, they dropped eight spots to 30. Anyway, so we're uh, 31st. Currently, Tampa Bay comes in as uh, the 22nd in the power rankings, which is probably pretty, you know, pretty nice uh, coup for them. They, bo- they got themselves up a little bit from last week. They were actually <laughs> right where we are now. So as we head into this matchup... I'm going to go ahead and just bring bring in the offensive side of this because we all know Daniel Jones is starting. Okay, so 15.5 points per game. 
That's 26th, as you would expect. It's not impressive in an offensive-driven league. Now, yards per game, however, at 420 is 6th. 280 passing yards is 11th. Rushing yards at 140 is 8th. We're having success offensively, except for in that very casual area, doesn't mean a lot, of actually scoring points. What are your, I'm, I'm going to put it over to you just as far as what are you looking for as we enter into this game? What are you thinking about the matchup? Give me your overview. I want, I want, I want Andy to lead me in on this. Well, on offense, I think it's simple. You know, Daniel Jones does add a couple of new dimensions to the Giants. I think um, we're hoping that he takes and builds on the preseason success that he had. You know, he was able to find wide receivers down the field he was completing 85% of his passes. He looked the part. And what I'm excited about is uh, hopefully getting Sterling Shepard back. We give him a weapon on the outside that he can uh, be able to connect with and, and build a rapport with. You know, we just signed Sterling Shepard to a big contract in the offseason, so they're kind of married at the hip for the next couple of years at least. So well, You're going to beat that Shepard drum, aren't you? Yeah, I, I am indeed. <laughs> um, and and I, I think that we want to make sure that he has those weapons. He's looking at Evan Ingram. He's looking down the field to Sterling Shepard. And I think the heavy dose of Saquon Barkley, I don't know how I can stress it enough. If Peyton Barber outrushes Saquon Barkley this week, <laughs> I you will hear from me again next week banging on the drum. I think we don't want to get away from the rush too early, and I think that we've been susceptible to that, at least in the first two weeks. Um, so on the offensive side, I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, adding that layer of mobility from, from Daniel Jones, coupled with Sterling Shepard coming back, maybe gives our offense a little bit more of a punch. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope, right? I mean, that's the idea of the move. Let's, you know, get a young. And listen, if you're Pat Shermer, you came in to install your RPO offense, and obviously Eli Manning is not a quarterback that is suited to run that. You saw that in a couple of different instances over the course of the first two weeks. So, Listen, this is a quarterback that is mobile, that you can get him outside the pocket. Now, I'll tell you right, I'll tell you this second right now. We, we saw this with Cam Newton recently about like, hey, you know what you can't do is just take a guy that has traits and attributes that can lend itself to, you know, getting chunks of yards and running with his feet and then just kind of like burn him into the ground of his course of his career. And I feel like most teams have learned this lesson already. And Cam Newton's probably like the last example of this. Because nobody else is going to have that happen. But I do want to see Daniel Jones using his legs and using it in the safe and cautious mode where you scamper out. I don't necessarily want to see the fall down scenario that Eli Manning technique that, that he used to use. But I do want to see him executing this in a safe fashion, if that makes sense. Well, it, it does, Adam. And the other thing that I'm thinking about is everyone also thinks that Daniel Jones sometimes gets categorized as a dual threat quarterback. Daniel, Daniel Jones is not Lamar Jackson. Right, right, right. D Daniel Jones is not Kyler Murray. Daniel Jones is just slightly more athletic and more mobile than Eli Manning. He can move around in the pocket. He can extend plays a little bit. And so for me, I do want to see him be able to roll out and give uh, you know some of their wide receivers a little bit more time to get open. I do want to see some plays that maybe we can call for him that we necessarily wouldn't have called for Eli. Um, and, and so I'm excited to see those type of changes. Okay, well, actually, cause I'll, I will say, and it's hard, this actually goes back to college players coming to the pros and getting a better sense of what their skill set is relative to the speed of the game. I actually, I might take a little bit of, uh, I'll disagree with you on the idea. I don't think he's slightly more athletic than Eli. I think he actually is significantly more athletic than him. I think he at least has the ability. Now, you're 100% right. He's not Kyler Murray. He's not Lamar Jackson. And there's no, there should be zero expectation of that. He's not Cam Newton. But I do think that his mobility, I don't know, let's go without getting hit in the middle of the field because he can't figure it out, Mitch Trubisky style. Sure. He's a guy that can, that can that does have the ability to use his feet to impact the game. And I think that that, that, that means that he's significantly better in that regard than Eli Manning. But that, that, that's fine. Well, and the proof will be in the pudding. We'll come back next week and you'll, you'll tell me what an idiot I was. But let's go offensive stats because I, I want to get your take on Jameis Winston and, and what we can expect from him this week. When we look at the offensive comparison of these teams, a couple of notes, and this speaks to what you want to see from Saquon Barkley, what you want to see from Pat Shermer and play calling. First two Over the first two weeks, obviously you're playing from behind. I don't think it's any excuse to have a 28% rush play to 72% pass play. I don't care if you're down. Even in these games, you should still be committing to the run. Now, 
you and I have disagreed about the idea about how many carries Barkley should get in a game that maybe you don't expect to win or you see is getting away from you doesn't mean that you can't use Wayne Gallman or you can't at least be using Barkley more even in those games. You should still eat uh, Penny as well. You know, get the ball into running back's hands to be able to impact and dictate tempo in a game. We've seen the offensive line is good enough this year, right? They, I mean, that's part of the reason of moving to Daniel Jones is you found out that this offense can protect him. So those two stat lines are a little bit concerning to me. Third down conversion is the other area as well. Giants only converting just under 22% of these. So Everybody knows it. If you can move the chains, that's a good thing. And if you can't do it, you're going to lose games. So these are areas offensively that I'm worried about. And the, maybe, I don't know, silver lining is that they converted the limited opportunities in the red zone. They're converting 60% of those, which is nice. But if you're not there often enough, converting a high percentage really doesn't matter. What are you, let, let, let's, let's stay here right now with the offense on Tampa Bay's side. They're even, they're pretty even split on their offense uh, on rush to pass ratios, 55% pass, 45 run, and they're converting 30% of their third downs. What are you, what are you seeing offensively from Tampa Bay in this game? Well, I, I just want to start with an interesting stat, Ooh. if I can, Adam. So, um, in total QBR, um, which takes all different things in terms of points added, their able, ability to pass and run, um, all the different factors that uh, factor in. Just want to let you know that Eli Manning was 23rd when they benched him. Jameis Winston is actually ranked 26th. So, you yeah, actually, you know what? Br- brief interjection here. That's really important, right? Because no matter whatever, the consensus is that Eli Manning is not necessarily a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. And you're telling me that Jameis Winston is somewhere just behind that. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's a, that's a telling stat where when we talk about what's wrong with the Giants, Eli Manning doesn't play defense. He doesn't help force turnovers. He can't get pressure on the quarterback. He can't do these certain things. And when you look at it, that's kind of why that was a, 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 sim- a symptom of the actual problem. Um, but when we talk about uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, surprisingly one and one surprisingly went into Carolina and beat Carolina. Mm-hmm. I know Cam Newton was dinged up during that game, and he certainly doesn't look like himself on the field. He doesn't look like himself off the field wearing uh, little Bo Peep uh, head, headdresses <laughs> and scarves. So, I, I mean, I, I understand that, that the hairdo is my thing. That's yes. what I want to know about is the hairdo. And there's a little bit of jealousy there, by the way. I know. He can, he can pull that off. Yeah. You certainly cannot. Well, uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm growing it out. But but I think that just proves that uh, if you have a, a sound team, you can win football games. And when Jameis isn't necessarily playing the best football of his career, he has defense that can hold the opponent down when when they start marching down the field. You know, they do rush the ball. They have a two headed monster with Ronald Jones and Pey- Peyton Barber that they try to to you know feed the football to. I think they do have explosive tendencies. I mean, Chris Godwin has looked amazing so far on the outside this year. Ring the fantasy bell for me because I, I drafted him, buddy. I mean, I, I took Mike Evans in mind, still Oops. thinking that he he's going to be the guy. Fine there, yeah. um, but they really can get uh, down the field quickly with their wide receiving core. I know O.J. Howard really hasn't seen that many touches this year. Um, it's been a lot on the outside, but I, I'm, I'm nervous about the Giants' defense against this Tampa Bay offense. They do have playmakers on the outside, and while Jameis may throw a pick six to other teams, he may Doesn't not he throw one to, to, to our team. Well, um, yeah, ring the fantasy bell again because I also have OJ Howard in one of my leagues, and that's everyone knows if if you were if you're a part of that goose egg. So uh, yeah, but there there definitely are weapons on there. So let's tie this into the defensive comparison about these two teams, right? You can be, and I think Josh Allen is a different case because he's year two and he's developing, so you can probably look back on this in the middle of the season and think, oh, well, no, Josh Allen is taking that next step in his progression, so you know him looking effective is something you expect. Same thing with the Dak Prescott. You know He's a legitimate top 10 quarterback in the league at, at this stage of his career. Jameis Winston, who is a guy that may not be the starting quarterback in Tampa Bay next season. You know, may, he may be hunting for an opportunity in the league, but when you're a defense who gives up so far in the first two weeks about just just about 71% completion percentage, that's a big issue. And guess what? When you give up almost 48% on third down conversions, when you give up 100% of, of opponent red zone scoring, you tell me if that's good or bad. I'm not a math magician. 
But at the end of the day, this is a defense that can make an average to subpar quarterback look pretty good, right? This is a, this is a defense where when Jameis Winston comes in and all the things that you expected Bruce Arians to fix in his in his game, all of a sudden they'll say after week three they fixed it. They, they you know they've done their job. So that's a little bit uh, that that's going to be my area of concern as we talked about this defense and from Tampa Bay's side of things, um, they've done a a decent job holding opposing quarterbacks to under 55% completion, holding opponents' teams to under 30% on third downs, holding opponents' red zone scoring to zero. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not giving up plays from outside of the red zone for scores, but what, what, are, you, what are we seeing here on both sides of the defensive ball? Well, I, what I find interesting is through two games, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' defense is averaging 15.5 points per game. Through two games on offense, the New York but Giants... Man are averaging how many points per game, Adam? 15 and a half, Andy. So if you were uh, a bookmaker in Vegas and you had to decide what the over-under in this game would be for the Giants' total points, would you have a starting reference? Do you have any idea what it might Thirty, thirty-one. 31. Mm. No, thir- yeah, 31. Because I add the defense number and the offense number, and then I get ah, to the... Ah, yes. But I don't work in Vegas. So, so you know, I, I think about that because the, the Buccaneers are only giving up 15.5 points a game. Um, you know, they, they gave up 31 to Garoppolo. They gave up 14 to an injured Cam Newton uh, at home. But, uh, you know, I'm... I'm interested to see how the defense comes out and plays, especially against Daniel Jones. Are they going to apply pressure against the rookie QB? Are they going to send, you know, unique blitz blitzes and different packages that he hasn't seen in the preseason? Because we all know they uh, send their most vanilla lineups out there uh, and schematics out there. So, so for me, what I'm curious to see is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is going to throw at Daniel Jones, knowing that he's a rookie making his first start on the road. Yeah, and I don't want to get far afield. I actually, I don't want to get far afield of what you mentioned about the matchups on the outside. Godwin is having seems like that elevated season for him. He's taking the next step. Evan Ingram is still Evan Ingram. He's actually, I mean, he's had a fantastic start to his career. I, I mean, I think like when you're outside of New York and you know Dallas, some of like the big name teams or just teams that have a lot of success, you can kind of fall into by the wayside in terms of recognition for this stuff. Combined with OJ Howard, I think Bruce Arians came out and said, you know, the the targets will come. I mean, that's such a cliche little thing to throw out there, but I also think in a system, when you have that many weapons, the defense will dictate where you go with it, and all of a sudden, O.J. Howard will have a blow-up game, and he's an athletic tight end. That's you know, that's how they want to use him in it. So from, from the secondary standpoint, let's even just let, – let's move on from the defensive pressure, right? Do you think regardless of whether or not maybe we're seeing some pressure get to the quarterback, maybe Jameis Winston is a little bit flushed out of that pocket – how do you, do you think that the secondary can hold their ground? Can is DeAndre Baker going to? I mean, he's going to be theoretically. Uh, does the matchup go to him against Mike Evans? Because Mike Evans at least isn't fast, and I feel like that is quote unquote. It's a podcast. You don't see the air quotes that I'm making. A better matchup for Baker, or are we seeing? Are we going to see that rotational thing? Because I tell you what, you can't do, and you saw from in week two. Uh, Antonio Hamilton's not getting back on the field in a rotational situation, so. Where do you see those matchups going? And does it, I mean, does it matter with the state of our defense? I am very concerned about the cornerback wide receiver play. We're obviously going to need to double Mike Evans, even though Godwin has looked very athletic and and, and has the, had the ability to get open. Mike Evans is six foot five. He is a huge target for yeah. Jameis Winston. You look at a guy like DeAndre Baker; he's five ten. We're talking about a significant difference when we start putting the ball up in the air. Uh, I, I am very concerned on the outside, on those jump balls, 50-50s. Even if they get inside the 20-yard line, Jameis Winston can do those fade routes to the corner or those jump balls, and he has the ability to to go up and get them. So whether or not it's Shnor Jenkins, he doesn't have the height to be able to handle some of those balls. Uh, I am very concerned. That's That's probably my biggest concern of the game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I think it makes reasonable sense, right? And I guess maybe the expectation really here is about can this be a team that offensively finds a score? So I'll just say scoring rhythm, so that no matter what the outcome is, it just looks like it's competitive throughout, and that maybe you're giving your defense an opportunity to make a play once or twice in a game, come up with right. a third down stop, and maybe Jameis Winston is the type of erratic quarterback from an accuracy standpoint. That you get some of those, and then you know, you they talked about it. 
the tip ball in the Buffalo game that they end up intercepting. And there was a couple of plays there where the Giants tipped the ball, went up in the air, didn't have an opportunity, you know, couldn't come down with it. And they always say, right, good teams make the plays, bad teams don't make those plays. So, you know, you're going to have an opportunity against Jameis Winston to get an interception in this game. I strongly believe that. It's not going to be about whether or not you're having the tightest coverage. It's going to be that he just throws a bad ball. And then it's gonna, can you make that play and hopefully impact the game in that regard? So what do you did predict? You say, did you want to say something? Uh, well, I was just thinking oh, yeah. about uh, that probably segues pretty good into oh, yeah, what sure you're right. predicting. Oh, good, sir. Well, okay, so we talked about this when we were leading up to it. And when I initially was thinking about it, you gave me your prediction first. I'm going to lead with it because I already think I know where you're going. Although, actually, you're going to be impacted by this, right? My prediction of game outcome was predicated on Daniel Jones starting. I wish that I, I always wish that I was the guy that said something on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, but I'm also the person who is way too nervous about being so far off on something that then everyone's like, what is this guy talking about? I really, I actually thought that it was, that the move was going to get made to Daniel Jones. He's starting this week. I really do think that offensively his mobility and possibly what it allows Shermer to call from a play standpoint and maybe the execution of those play calls, because he was still calling them with Eli, but we all saw what happens when Eli rolls out. So I think that makes an impact. I think it's not necessarily about the defense turning a corner and, you know, changing the outcome of this season ultimately, but I do think that they're going to make a couple plays. I think Janoris Jenkins is maybe going to do something for you, maybe even up front if it's Dexter Lawrence that gets some pressure and, like you said, let the other team make a mistake for you. So I'm going big here, buddy. I'm going to go over the point total that we've seen from the Giants in the first two weeks. I'm calling 24. And I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you that they're going to give up less points than they've given in the first two weeks. 21 uh, for Tampa Bay. So I'm calling for a road victory in Daniel Jones' NFL debut. 24-21. Giants take it. Where do you stand good, sir? Well... We had talked about this before uh, they made the move to Daniel Jones. I'm stick- By the way, I'm, I stuck with the exact same thing that I said the first time. But within reason, you, you, have, you have wiggle room to change your mind here. Well, just to give you an idea of what Vegas thinks about it, because they seem to know something. Those casinos uh, right. weren't built in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, th- when the announcement went that Eli Manning was being moved to the bench for Daniel Jones, the line moved exactly... Zero points. It that, did not move. Right? It did not move one iota. So in wait, fact, wait. on some websites, it moved a half a point in favor of the Giants, which I find fascinating. That's interesting. Um, so, to me, <laughs> I, wish, I wish I had known that before, and I would have stymied my. I would. I would have controlled myself better. That's phenomenal. So I, I don't know if the quarterback changes much. Not because I don't think Daniel Jones has the ability to become that franchise quarterback. I just think... No, no, get he, week one game. Week yeah. one. He just got announced the starter on a short week. He may be without some of his weapons. His defense is not helping him out right now. Mm-hmm. So... What, what, what's the actual line? What, what is the, the line actual? is actually right now six and a half. It got as high as seven. Um, but the Giants are getting six and a half right now on the road at Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, it's, it's, it's hard when you lost 35-17 and 28-14 to say six and a half points. That's a lot. Yeah. And, well, actually, you know what? And this is the perfect, I, I mean, uh, the perfect time. That could be a bit of a misnomer. But I'm going to bring it up. One of the factors about Tampa Bay and playing them is that they have the ex-New York Jets coach, Todd Bowles, who is a really good defensive mind. And that's actually something that I think does play a big role in this when you have a rookie quarterback starting. They can bring out the looks, the different things to try to fluster a guy early on. So um, that, 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 I think, is going to be a huge factor in terms of the success or failure in this game. But I'm sorry, did you, uh, you gave me a lot of Vegas lines, but I didn't hear any predictions in there. So if, if I had to figure out what we're going to do in the new Daniel Jones era, I... In the Danny Dimes era. In the Danny Dimes era, my first prediction is going to be... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 24. The New York Giants, 14. Oh, my God. I thought he was going to go. Do you remember what you had said when we talked about previously? Were you at the same line? I When we talked before, when Eli yeah, Manning was starting, yes. I said that it was going to be 27-10. Yes, okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And so oh, I think, yeah, I think close that's uh, closing the gap. I'm, I'm similar to Vegas. I don't think it changes that much, but I think we do have the chance at upside. So 24-14. Uh, All right, I mean, listen. I mean, obviously, and listen, I know that, I know that making the leap to 24 points is, 
is big. I am again, I am looking at the idea that we have moved the ball well, and unlike games last year when it felt like you were playing against backup quarterbacks, and when you were down by fourteen in the fourth quarter and you got a bonus freebie drive of seventy yards to make stats look a little bit different, that hasn't really happened in these first two weeks, right? I mean, Eli throws the bomb interception against Buffalo. The game's wrapped up. Nothing really happened in the Dallas game late, so these rankings should actually be somewhat predictive for what we can expect from them. This is probably going to be the best defensive coordinator they've they've gone against. I don't know if it's the best defensive personnel that they've gone against, but uh, yeah, so I know that I'm definitely trending on the side of optimism here, but I think if you're going to have optimism, these next couple weeks are the time to have it because we all know down the road, you'll hear from us in the coming weeks, but there's some really ugly matchups from a defensive standpoint for a rookie quarterback, you know, in, in an offense that's trying to still figure things out. So there you have it, folks. 24-14 says Andy. 24-21 says a ludicrous New York football Giants fan in myself. One giant outro. So we had actually planned to have a bit of a segment here that we had laid out prior to the Daniel Jones officially starting. So rather than dive into that, Andy went ahead and off script jumped segments on me. Which was fine because you'll you'll hear it in you'll hear it in the podcast. I, I I riff. I don't get bogged down in confusion or stare blankly at my computer for one or two seconds too long. I, I dive right in, right? Adam, you gave every single prediction except the final score during the yeah. last segment. So. Well, and that's they call that they call that an unsuccessful tease, is what they say. So. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into some of some other things in regards to the New York Football Giants as a whole and the organization. But we're going to save that for a later date. For right now, obviously we're looking ahead to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup and the debut of Daniel Jones. Now, this is the the maiden voyage of the One Giant podcast. We are really excited to be starting this thing. We're optimistic that as we build and grow it, people are going to want to build and grow with us. There's going to be some things that you can obviously always do. You head over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can head over to anchor.fm. That is our, our podcast hosting platform, and you can get any of these links right through that website as well. Currently, we are on Instagram. We are on Twitter at One Giants, One Giant Podcast. Excuse me. So you can follow us on the social media. Give us some feedback on what you heard here today. We love to hear from everyone. We want to know if you want to hear more about what's going on in fantasy. Who's who's a, who's a person that we need to be looking at? Who needs to start? Who's the next breakout person for the Giants? If you want to hear a little bit more about some of the press conferences and feedback from Pat Shermer or Dave Gettleman, we're more than happy to do that. The more feedback you give, the better the content is. So follow us, as Adam said, on, on the different social media, uh, One Giant Podcast. And uh, we're excited to be with you guys for the rest of the year. You better believe it. Hey, I'll check in with you next week following a New York football Giants victory.